Welcome to this edition of Sports Medicine Concepts Skull Sessions Podcast. My name is Mike Sendoma, athletic trainer and host of Skull Sessions. There's a big difference between the day an athletic training student graduates and passes the Board of Certification exam and the first day they step onto the sidelines for the first time. And by the first time, I mean the first time they themselves are on the sideline as an athletic trainer and ultimately responsible for player health and safety. Not as an intern or a student completing a clinical rotation, but actually as the athletic trainer with all those responsibilities. Here at SMC, we try to help students cross that space using simulation to prepare them uh, to be better prepared to make clinical decisions uh, on that first day in an emergency situation primarily, which is our focus, of course. But um, there's still much more to being prepared on that first day as, as an athletic trainer. So today I welcome Pete McCabe to Skull Sessions for a discussion about what athletic trainers should expect on their first day on the job. Pete is the safety coordinator at Excelsior Orthopedics in Buffalo, New York, where he provides support to Excelsior's eight outpatient locations. Pete works closely with the outreach athletic training team where he assists in providing education and training to prepare certified athletic trainers in Excelsior's outreach program. So Pete, welcome. Thanks, Mike, I appreciate it. It's nice to see you again, it's nice to be here. Yeah, uh, you used to work for us, but you know, you, uh, you greener pastures, right? Well, not greener pastures, but you, you had other you had other opportunities, but we used to work pretty closely together here. You were a clinical instructor for us here at SMC for a while uh, before moving on to Excelsior Orthopedics. Um, so uh, it's been a while since we've actually worked together, but we stay we stay in touch pretty regularly, right? Yeah, absolutely. No, it's so, always nice to catch up with you, Mike. I think you're a good guest for, for this topic because that's part of your job. As the safety coordinator, you work with the outle- Outreach Athletic Training Program to prepare the athletic trainers that you have at Excelsior for their first day on the job, making sure they have all the administrative, you know, whatever your policies and procedures are, right, all of that stuff, that they're aware of the policies and procedures and those types of things. But I'm more concerned about, uh, the, for the listeners that are on today that are new to athletic training and they're out there on the field for the first time they're on the basketball court for the first time uh and it's their first day their first night and there's got to be some anxiety about i've never been here before for real where i am ultimately responsible so what are some things uh from your perspective that that you do with your outreach athletic trainers to help them prepare for that first day what are some things that are important for them to know yeah I think I think one of the, the first things, Mike, is uh, you know you got to get the athletic trainer comfortable with his or her surroundings. You know, so here at Excelsior, you know, we make sure that you know prior to going to the school that they're going to be working at, uh, we actually set up tours. We make sure that they can meet and greet with certain administrators and other coaching coaching staff as well uh, prior to actually beginning work there full time. You know, our, our our whole idea around this is to make sure that the athletic trainer is as comfortable as possible. Um, not comfortable where they become complacent and, um, you know, I'm not mm-hmm. ready to, to react or, or to work, but rather just comfortable with where certain offices are and where certain people are located. And, and as such, I think the more uh, familiarity that we can provide our athletic trainers walking into a school, especially if it's new to them, uh, the more and better prepared they can be in the long run. Um, because I think in short, I think when an athletic trainer is, is at a game, um, you know, wherever that might be on the field, on the court or at the, at the pool, um, at the end of the day, you know, 
you need to be focused. We need to make sure we don't have any sort of tunnel vision in regards to getting caught up in the game, let's say necessarily, but have a full understanding of what's around you. Um, who's there to support you? Uh, where are you gonna go in certain emergencies? And then just if something happens, it's more we're reacting to that happening um, in more of a proactive manner rather than waiting for something to happen for the first time and trying to figure it out on the fly. Yeah, all right, so your athletic trainers go to the school and become familiar with offices and personnel and all that kind of stuff. But boy, I, I remember I remember when I first, my on my first day uh, was football, fall, we started in the fall with football. And I remember being on the sidelines during football practice and the coach, it was, it was at a high school in, in Buffalo. Um, I remember coach, coach couldn't have cared one, he didn't, want to hear anything from me. And this was an old school coach who had been there for years. So he had seen athletic trainers come and go from his sideline. He didn't want to hear anything from me. So what, how do you prepare your athletic trainers for stepping on, you know, you're an athletic trainer. Nowadays, nowadays you just completed, you have a master's degree. So you're a pretty smart guy or pretty smart uh, girl, right? And you're, you're on the sideline and you're thinking, you know, I got it all together. I've got some stuff going on. I've got some knowledge. I can't wait to share that knowledge. And then you run into a coach who he doesn't care. He doesn't care what kind of knowledge you have. He doesn't want to listen. He doesn't want to hear anything from you. How do you prepare an athletic trainer to manage that? Yeah, no, that's a great, great question. I think it's um, it's something that all all athletic trainers have to face at some point as they enter their careers. Um, I, I think one of the best ways to approach that is you have to leave your ego um, behind you as you approach some of these individuals. Um, and understand the fact that, um, you know, individuals as, as athletic trainers, that is, are excited, um, eager to get out on the field and do what they went to school for and what they've worked so hard to accomplish. Uh, but also remember, again, these coaches have done the same thing, right? And, and most of them as well, as you mentioned, Mike, have been in these positions for, you know, sometimes a significant amount of time. And with that being said, I think you need to leave your ego behind you. You need to approach these individuals um, just like you would a friend or a, a, a colleague, you know, try to get to know them, understand the reasons um, around why uh, they do the things they do, why they function the way they do. Because I think at the end of the day, what, what athletic trainers need to understand um, is that you're not going to walk in and change everything. It's just, it's just not going to happen. Um, change is great in some situations, but you're not going to walk in and change everything. So I think the more comfortable um, and understanding you can be around the current, um, you know, concepts and or, um, you know, individuals that are working with you, the better I think you can be in the long run. So um, it's it's going in confident, but at the same time, going in with an open mind um, to learn and understand what others are doing in the roles that they're in right now. Um, so that then you can begin over time to adapt to what they're doing and then maybe start to in, in, in mm. insert some changes along the way. Um, but I would just, I guess in short, just to urge new athletic trainers to go in with an open mind. Again, leave your ego behind you if that's the case and just be ready and open to adjust to what's in front of you because what we may think is the best thing to do at the time with education and or getting to know other people, you'd be surprised at how that might change your, your mindsets as well. So I think that's very important. And, and I'll tell you what I, what I came to learn uh, over time was rather than try and verbally tell everybody how smart you are uh you know just sit, sit back on sit back and wait for something to happen mm -hmm. and and demonstrate how valuable you are right R wait wait for that it, no matter what how seasoned you are as a coach 
you're you're the coach and that's what you're there to do when a true emergency actually happens coach is going to his head's going to be spinning looking for that athletic trainer so you better be ready for that event so rather than just try and talk your way into respect just kind of sit back and wait wait for that event to happen but you better be ready to manage that properly you if you fumble that uh, it's going to be really hard, to, you know, the first time something happens, you fumble it, it's going to be pretty hard to recover from that. Yeah, ab- absolutely. And I think too, to your point, Mike, I think also, you know, they're going to be watching what you're doing when you don't think they're watching you. Yeah. So when you're taping ankles, when you're talking to parents, when you're communicating to, uh, let's say, a, a student athlete about their return to play uh, from a concussion, let's say, for example, they're going to be listening and, and trying to figure out what you're doing. And I think, Mike, to your point, we got to be ready to give our best efforts outside of just getting to know somebody and trying to impress them, maybe, and then let them see what you what yeah. true value you bring yeah. to the table. I think yeah. that's really important. Demonstrate your value when it counts. Yeah. So uh, I hadn't thought of this before, but some, something you said made me think about this. But every once in a while, uh, you either read something in the paper or uh, every once in a while something comes up where athletic trainers will get a, a in soccer sometimes you see where an athletic trainer gets actually gets a flag thrown right they, they get penalized for being a little too obnoxious on the sideline or, or an athletic trainer actually giving officials and refs the business a little bit you know so I, I've always I've actually had players say to me, you know, why, why don't you cheer? Why aren't you clapping? And why aren't you cheering and stuff like that? And I don't know, it's just me. I, maybe it's because I'm so focused on making sure that if something happens that I'm the, you know, that no one has to tell me that there's somebody down on the field or somebody needs help. I, I kind of pride myself on always, I know before anybody else knows, right? Because that's what I'm there for. Um, so I, I try not to get caught up in the emotion of a game. But some athletic trainers, I mean, I've heard stories of athletic trainers getting kicked off the sideline because they're giving the refs the business. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you, you got to be very careful about that. I can yeah. tell just a, a real quick story about something with me. I mean, uh, covering field hockey, if anybody's familiar with covering field hockey or if you're a new athletic trainer, I guess the, in, in short, you know, look, make sure you're familiar with the rules uh, very, very quickly. <laughs> uh, because to Mike's point, I mean, not that I was, um, you know, yelling at the referees or anything like that, but. Uh, we, had a, we had an athlete that took a, a ball, and if you're, not, again, not familiar with field hockey, those balls are very hard and, and yeah. unforgiving. Um, and anyway, the ball came up, hit hit, a, hit one of the girls in the face. Um, immediately, blood was everywhere, and I just went right out in the field. Well, in field hockey, similar to, to soccer, you need to wait for those officials to stop the game. So uh, I ran out, did what I had to do, came off the field, and then I was, you know, I got a lot from the <laughs> official after that. But it was just like, I just kind of reacted. Like, I went out, saw blood, and, and took care of it. Yeah. But, um, no, Mike, you're right. I think, and one of the things we do at Excelsior that's very important too is, you know, branding. And not that the branding is important, right? But at the yeah, same yeah. time, we want to make sure our athletic trainers are wearing an Excelsior polo or similar. Because if we do that and we have an injury to another another team, um, we can provide care to them in a way that doesn't seem like we are playing one side or the other. And I mm-hmm. think that is important for new athletic trainers to understand that you got to be. Uh, in the middle, neutral. Uh, you can kind of clap silently or be happy right. behind the scenes, but we got to remain professional because we're there to support everybody. You know, whether it's a referee, a parent, or either person on the sideline, uh, we're there to, to help everybody. So that's yeah. important. You know? Yeah, I, I used to make the joke. I, I stopped because um, apparently it wasn't funny. But uh, I used to make the joke when I would introduce myself to the other to the other team. I go over and introduce myself to the coach, and I would say something, you know, some smart comment like. 
you know, as long as we're up by 12 or more, I'll help your, I'll help your athletes too. Yeah. And yeah. It, one, one coach didn't find that quite as funny as I did, so I stopped making that joke. But, uh, yeah, I have, a, I have a story too that goes along with your coming out on the field too early. Uh, one of my first days uh, working with a basketball team, let's talk about not knowing the rules of basketball, right? Uh, we, had a, we had a guy go up. We were at a, a visiting team. Uh, we were the visiting team. Uh, we had one of our players go up, uh, dunk the ball, hung on the rim for a couple of seconds, and then fell off the rim and hit his head, uh, fell backwards. And, you know, as an athletic trainer, I'm like, oh, my gosh, he fell from a considerable height, landed on the back of his head. He's got to be hurt. I ran right out there without waiting for the ref to blow the whistle for a timeout or anything like that. And it caused it cost us a timeout because I didn't wait. And I didn't get any I didn't get any flack necessarily from the officials or anything, but the coach blew a gasket. And you know how bas- basketball coaches are kind of known. You know they're pretty high strung. And he I don't know if he threw the chair at me, but the chair came awful close to hitting me. I don't know if he just picked up a chair and threw it, and I happened to be in the path because he was mad about losing a timeout. But for sure, it came real close to hitting me. So I kind of think it was. It was intended for me. But anyway, yeah. So, you know, one of the things you can do to help make sure that you stay on the good side of people until they come become confident in you is don't do things like that. Don't make rookie mistakes like that, right? <laughs> Always take a step back and you know, kind of like CPR, like give yourself a couple seconds to, uh, you know, identify what's going on in the situation before you react to it. I think yeah. Mike 100% correct. And, you know, you live and you learn, but, um, you know, yeah, definitely think before you react. It's very important. So you know we we focus on we focus on emergency response training here. Um, that's that's our thing. So what about being prepared for the emergency? What what do you what do you work with your athletic trainers on to make sure that they're ready for what I always refer to as the ultimate part of your job? Yeah. Again, I think a lot of it comes down to their their confidence. You know, you have to take new athletic trainers coming out of school. Um, you know, and and really really kind of try to understand where are they in their understanding and confidence level in reacting to emergencies? Uh, because, you know, our athletic trainers, you know, we have a lot of different athletic trainers, all are great in their own way, you know, but others, they, they come in with different experiences themselves, whether in school and or experiences they had maybe with preceptors in the past. So I think you need to have a good understanding of what they've seen, what they have not seen in the past, and then be uh, ready to um, expose them in a way that's, um, not necessarily going to be, um, you know, making them feel awkward and or in situations where they don't know what to do, but you got to make sure that we put them in situations where we need to make sure that they know how to react in those scenarios. So I think one of the best ways or one of the ways that we approach it here at Excelsior is and by doing some preseason training before each season, fall, winter, and spring as well. You know, we try to break our athletic trainers up into groups uh, where they're working with individuals that are not always new. They're working with like a veteran ATC that's been um, doing the job for a while so that when things come up, they can learn from one another in these groups. Um, but then also uh, we have started kind of starting to uh, begin to film how they're reacting to certain things so that we can actually review some of those things with them um, in the event that the outcome in that training scenario is not what we want it to be. We can actually show them maybe similar to mm-hmm. a student athlete would review film um, kind of like, what would you do differently here? Or, or mm-hmm. what could you have done differently in this scenario um, had you been given that other opportunity? So again, in emergency situations, you're well aware of this, Mike, and I know some of our viewers as well are, but 
We're not always going to have a second take to review what we would have done in those scenarios. So I think, again, from a new athletic trainer's perspective, it's making sure we understand what they know coming into the scenario or coming in as a new ATC, and then what can we help provide them based on our experiences um, so that we can make sure we help them grow in their position. Yeah, I, I would add to that that these these are not things that you can learn on the job. This, this is the, the first time you step out onto the court or out onto the field, you have to be ready to respond just as though you would respond if you were a veteran in, in athletic training and had been there for years and have seen multiple types of events, if you will. Uh, you know, so I, that's the, that's kind of the sticking point or the rub, I guess, if you will, of with emergency responses. You know, if, if you don't tape an ankle, quite so good and you give an athlete a blister you know get blackballed that athlete doesn't want you to tape them anymore they go to somebody else to get taped yeah okay but you can learn you can learn through that right you can tape better you can you know do things get your heel locks better so you're not wrinkling and stuff like that but emergency response you just don't have you can't learn on the fly so that's why the things that you're talking about are so important yeah i think it's also important we got to share our experiences a little bit too mike to your point i've learned a lot from you and the the, uh, the team members we've worked with through sports medicine concepts about different experiences that they've had. And I think what we try to do here, and I think I would encourage all new athletic trainers to do as well is, you know, <clears throat> communicate back to your colleagues that you've, you, you know, you're still in contact with from high school or excuse me, through college um, or other areas. Um, at Excelsior, um, our director of sports medicine and wellness at all of our staff meetings, you know, we always have a round table. She always asks everybody, what, what small win or large win do you have or have you had this past month at your said school. And mm -hmm. I think it's important to talk about these things because athletic trainers, you know, if you're at a, if you're at a high school and you're the only ATC there, you know, things can be happening. You sometimes can think you're the only person that's dealing with this, but you got to remember the big picture that there's other athletic trainers that, that are dealing with similar situations, um, may have made the same, uh, same decisions that you've made in that scenario. And we got to remember, we can talk out loud about this with different colleagues and, and learn from them. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. And even, even if you, even if something, I, I have to imagine all athletic trainers do this, but I would be driving home from work that day or driving home from a game thinking, oh, I, I don't think I did a very good job today. I, I think I kind of bungled a couple of things today. But it's that's okay, right? I mean, and to be able to, I, I could, if you had that peer network, right, you could call, you could be like, hey, Pete, uh, look, th this is kind of what happened today. This is what I did. And to know that, probably 75% of the athletic trainers that are driving home that night are probably thinking along the same lines that they bungled something. And to have that peer network or that peer group to bounce things off of and, and realize that, you know, that that's the way things go. Uh, yeah. you, you have days that uh, things went really well and you did a great job. You have days where you second guess what you did and that's okay. Yeah. Um, but to learn from that and talk that through, I think, yeah, I think you're right. I think that's that's a great point. I think that's 100% normal, too. I mean, I can think of a lot of situations where I've thought of the same thing. But I remember, too, I think as a new athletic trainer, we got to lean on our documentation and, and, and the rationale around why we made certain decisions. Because for myself personally, and, and Mike, I agree, I've, 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 I've had lots of scenarios where after a game, 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock at night, your, your mind's moving. Uh, you're wondering, should I have done this? Should I have yeah. done that? At the end of the day, though, I mean, remember our documentation and our systematic approach to evaluating whether it's an emergency or just an ankle injury for for, for, for anything is that just go based on what you've learned, um, document uh, accordingly. And as long as you're falling back on your documentation and the rationale and why you made those decisions, 
uh, hopefully, you know, it'll let you sleep better at night. And, um, and, and as you said, Mike, kind of talking out loud to other people, what mm. would you have done? What would you have done differently? And I think that's where we learn a lot about differential diagnosis and how different things can be treated based on either our experiences in those scenarios or just where we went to school or just, um, you know, mm -hmm. how new we are into the profession. I think a lot of that and, is in there. You know, and, and remembering, too, that uh, unfortunately, you, you learn the most from mistakes. Yeah. Uh, but uh, again, you, you don't want the mistake to be a critical mistake. Uh, you know, hopefully we don't have to learn that way. You, you wouldn't want the learning process to be a result of being unprepared, right? So you can be prepared and have something not come out the way that you wanted it to, and you can learn from that. Just don't make the mistake of not being prepared because there's enough information that you don't have to experience these things, emergencies I'm talking about specifically. You don't have to experience an emergency to know what you have to do to be prepared. There, there's enough information out there that on day one, you should be prepared. Uh, whether it turns out the way that you want it to in your head or the way you envision in your head is one thing. Uh, you can learn from that if it doesn't come out the way that you wanted it to. But there's kind of no excuse to not be prepared. Um, you can learn from the outcome, right? We can talk about the outcome and find out what didn't go as well as we wanted to. but. Preparedness is not something um, that you need to learn on the fly. Right. Exactly. So you you mentioned documentation. Okay, that uh, obviously writing down why we came to the clinical decisions we did. Um, so there, there's always the question, whether you're new or whether you've been in the field a long time, there, in the back of our heads is always the liability question, right? If we make a mistake. So how do you guys handle uh, insurance, liability, uh, what are your thoughts on that? I know I have some thoughts on it that that, um, that might be a little different. I don't know if they're different or not. So share, share your thoughts and I'll, I'll yeah. see if they're different than what mine are. Yeah, so the way, the way that we approach it here is a couple scenarios, right? I mean, you have an athletic trainer, let's say I'm working at said school and that's my full-time role and I'm there all the time. Um, you know, our company does provide um, insurance for our ATCs. Um, in, in, in situations um, when necessary. But we've always encouraged our ATCs to carry their own individual or supplemental insurance um, only because, and I don't say only because, but many athletic trainers, especially new into the, the profession and myself included, I did it a lot um, in, at the very beginning as working camps, summer camps, things that may not necessarily be affiliated with Excelsior and or the said school that you were working for. Um, a lot of athletic trainers will pick those up as, mm -hmm. as jobs in the summer, which is, is great, right? But just remember, though, that at least from our perspective, our liability insurance does not extend over the ATCs when they're covering their own things in the summer or their own coverages in the summer. So, Mike, to your question, I think we've always encouraged our ATCs, even though that we have coverage here for them, to always have your own supplemental insurance because, you know what, at the end of the day, we all got to protect ourselves. Mm -hmm. uh, the organization here at Excelsior is, is definitely here to protect our athletic trainers, but um, you know you got to have a second uh, second um, you know policy maybe in your back pocket just in the event you know you need to protect yourselves, protect your family if you got a house and all the other things that you, you're working hard towards or will be working hard towards. You got to remember those things can be taken away very quickly if you're not. Yeah. So um, yeah, that, I, that's our mindset. It's just we recommend both, um, but we do provide an insurance to our ATCs um, over. Oh, good. I'm, I'm glad to hear you say that because that's that's the way I've always thought about it, too, is uh, we have blanket coverage here, um, but I always I encourage our athletic trainers to get their own supplemental, too, um, 
partially for the reasons um, that, that you mentioned. And then, you know, I, I think you have to remember insurance, without disparaging anybody that, that's in the insurance game, um, insurance is kind of a racket, yeah. right? I mean, and, and insurance isn't, they're going to be finding a way to not cover you. If, so if something goes wrong, they're going to be finding a reason to not cover you. Um, so if, you know, heaven forbid something happened, the blanket policy we have here at SMC or the blanket policy that you provide to Excelsior, if they do find a reason to not cover you, then at least you have your supplemental to fall back on because rem you, you hit it perfectly. It's your house. It's your career. It's your family. Uh, you don't want to leave that up to uh, an insurance agent to decide whether they're going to cover you or, or not in those instances. Um, so I, I was glad to hear you say that because I, I, I agree with you on that. That's, that's my perspective as well. And I also, also don't want to assume uh, and you know, that maybe some new athletes coming out of school, probably maybe they don't have houses yet. They don't have families yet. And some do definitely. But I think many new athletes, myself included, came into the profession, not really worried about that necessarily yeah. off the bat. And um, just being transparent about that, I think just to add to that, Mike, is when asking about benefits, when asking about continuing education offerings that, you know, different employers mm -hmm. may offer you out of school, don't be afraid to ask the questions about insurance. Because yeah. like you said, Mike, we don't want to wait until something happens and then we have to react to figure out what we're covered by. Get the information ahead of time, ask for it in writing. So then if something happens, you're proactively prepared to have it and then we can go from there with it. So just and, things again that we don't think about ahead of time, but as a new ATC, you got to keep that in the back of your mind. Yeah. So not only do you want to ask if, if, uh, if the, the company you're working for provides that as part of a benefit, but what is the coverage? How right. much coverage do you have? Because, uh, you know, um, I would say in the overwhelming majority of cases, uh, aside from an outright mishandling of a situation, athletic trainers are, it, it's going to be pretty hard uh, to find an athletic trainer responsible for an outcome, for a poor outcome, unless we, again, unless you blatantly don't follow best practice uh, or, you, or you do something outside of your practice act. Really, we're, we're there reacting to a situation that has already happened as a result of participation in athletics. So it's pretty hard to label us as being responsible for, for that outcome. But the key that I think everyone has to remember is you have to defend yourself against that point because they're going to come after you and say that you are responsible for it. You're going to have to then counter and say, no, I'm not responsible for it. And this is why. And then they'll say, ah, you're right. And they'll drop you. But it costs money to counter that. And that, that's where I think, you know, especially new athletic trainers, I don't navigating that liability water is, is remember, you're probably not at fault, but it's going to cost you money to demonstrate to the people that are searching for those big wins in, in the legal battleground, it's gonna cost you money to get them off your back. Right, and, and, and also too, I mean, remember like standing orders are very, very important mm -hmm. to keep in mind in these scenarios. And, and again, another question for either your school, uh, your overseeing physician or overseeing um, organization is, what, what exactly am I supposed to be doing under the guidance of said physician at the school and then on the other side as i mentioned before what can or can i do when i'm covering a camp 
that now I'm not affiliated yeah. with Excelsior or another company. Because remember, now you're 100% the one that's in charge, let's just say. Yeah. So again, something again, I never thought about a lot prior to, uh, you know, when I was younger, but something to think about if I could plant some seeds in some of the new ATC's minds right now is like, summer camps are great. The extra money is really great too, but ask about standing orders, ask about overseeing physicians, be careful because if you don't have somebody at the end of the day that's overseeing you and what you're doing, the spotlight is 100% on you. And to Mike's point, if something happens, you know, now there's nobody in front of you potentially yeah. that is going to be helping defend you and it's going to be you against them and whatever supplemental insurance you may have. So how do, how do you handle, because I know, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I believe Excelsior does cover uh, certain kind of uh, weekend warrior type of events, athletic events and stuff. You guys do provide that coverage. So your athletic trainers would be covered as Excelsior employees under those situations. But how, how do you, if you're covering a basket, if one of your athletic trainers is covering a basketball camp uh, over the summer, who is who generally provides those standing orders? Where, where do you tell your athletic trainers to go to get their standing orders? Yes. So if it's, if it's through Excelsior, um, our, our director of sports medicine and wellness and, and her leads will, you know, obviously we'll look into the, the said uh, event, let's say, and, you know, once we decide that we're going to cover it from an Excelsior standpoint, mm -hmm. um, of course, our doctors are backing it, standing yeah. orders and everything are then created to support that event specifically. Um, it could be a, um, an MOU or memoriam of understanding. It could be a small tournament. Maybe it's not something that we do contractually over a long period of time, but it could be just something we do mm -hmm. just this coming summer and that's it. But to your point, Mike, I think, um, you know, we create the standing orders around that specific event. But if let's say, and we hear it all the time, we have coaches reaching out to us to say, hey, we need an athletic trainer for this event that's starting uh, this coming summer, we're gonna have a camp, so on and so forth. If we're not able to provide coverage to it, if it's not in our strategic, uh, let's say, um, long-term objectives from Excelsior standpoint, we're not covering it. Our ATC, ATCs are welcome to take on that responsibility, let's say, but it would be on the ATC to ask the question to that coach, who is the overseeing physician if you have one and or, can you provide me with standing orders around what you need me to provide versus, or can I provide that to you? Um, so to your question, Mike, we do not provide standing orders to um, events or um, situations that are outside of um, what Excelsior as a whole is, is working on as, a, as an organization or a group. We also don't want to, a stronghold maybe not, might not be the right word, but we also don't want to limit and or hold our ATCs back from doing mm -hmm. things that might, may, may earn them extra money or provide them extra experiences. But nonetheless, I think the bigger takeaway is they need to be prepared. They need to ask questions about what's happening to ensure that they're covered. Um, I can share a real quick story of an ATC that covered an event similarly like this. It was a lacrosse camp um, in, in the area. And, um, you know, unfortunately, you know, she, she signed up. She was really eager to do it again. It was not an Excelsior affiliated event. In the process, though, she asked for standing orders. It, was there an overseeing physician? Will there be EMS on site? You know, uh, what supplies um, will you have there? Will we have ice? Things like that. Um, and what ended up happening is this person gave her all this information in writing via an email. She showed up and nothing was there that she was told that she'd be provided uh, that mm -hmm. uh, would not be provided. Uh, she was not provided what she was told she would be. Right. Me. So in short, what she did was she went to the director. She said, hey, you told me I'd have X, Y, and Z. This is why I need X, Y, and Z. He couldn't or she couldn't provide it to them. So she ultimately said, I'm not, I'm not going to stay here. And she ended up leaving, which I gave her a lot of kudos for. Yeah, and I would say. At the end of the day, I do feel bad for some of the student athletes there. But at the end of the day, if you don't have ice in the summer for emergencies, uh, heat emergencies, and you don't have certain things, 
that you were told you were going to have, you got to protect yourselves because if something happened, ultimately it would have fall back, fell back on her. It, it probably would have, wouldn't have fall back so much on the director of the camp as much as it would have the ATC. And I give her a lot of credit for standing up for herself and for her profession, walking away and saying, I can't do it. It's not the right way to approach this. Right, right. Yeah. And, and as an athletic trainer, you do feel bad because yeah. you feel like, all right, maybe I should provide the absolute best I can with what I have because there are athletes here. Uh, there are, you know, there are, there are uh, sons and daughters here and I can do something at least. But ultimately, yeah, you've, you've got to step away from that. And that's hard. It's also, it's also hard, I think, as an athletic trainer to, uh, and kudos to that athletic trainer that you described for actually going and taking those steps and saying, I need these, I need this, 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 and this before I, before I can commit to, to that camp. Because I think, especially newer athletic trainers, I think you jump on those camp opportunities as a chance to make some extra money in the summer. And, the, and sometimes this, the money looks good, but you have to take a step back and say, the money might be good, but where are my standing orders? You know, where is my liability? Am I set up to do a good job here or am I set up for something bad to happen? And you may have to walk, you have to be ready to walk away from that. Yeah, that's a, that's a great story to share. Yeah. Kind of similar to your first point, Mike, not to keep going with this is that, you know, as you get familiar with your coaches, maybe this is a coach that was a little apprehensive of you at first, but now all of a sudden they want you to cover their camps like the old ATC used to do. Like, again, these are things that we have to have hard conversations and, and transparency around the why around you can't do something that may have been done in the past and explain the why around it because again you may start getting familiar and or comfortable with this new coach but now all of a sudden they're they want you to do the same things that were done before so again i think that's where again we got to make sure we set those ground rules right off the bat so they yeah. understand the why around why you make your decisions and that can be hard as a new athletic trainer to have to have those kind of tough 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 conversations where you, you just want to do whatever I just want to do whatever to make everybody happy. I want to make this easy. I don't want to create waves. You know, I'm just trying to get my foot in the door here. But you have to stand your ground on some certain uh, really important things like uh, like you described. So, yeah, part of being an athletic trainer is being able to have those difficult conversations. Um, but there's reasons we have to draw the line sometimes. 100%. So, well, listen, Pete, uh, I certainly appreciate your time. Uh, it was a great conversation. I uh, enjoyed having you on, enjoyed visiting with you again. Um, I haven't seen your dad in a while. Uh, your, your dad's a kind of a local celebrity in the ref circuit here. I haven't seen him in a while, um, but maybe at some basketball games coming up, I'll, I'll get a chance to visit with him. So tell him I said hi. I will. Uh, and so much uh, for this opportunity. Yeah, thanks for joining us, and uh, I'll look forward to talking to you again real soon, okay? All right, sounds All right. good, Mike. Thanks again. Thanks, Pete. Be well. Take care. You too.